this may not be what the creators intended, but like it can't be an accident that this is in there. Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black Donnelly's is pure gold, and you guys are wrong. Joey Ice Cream uh, for president. I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion Collection. Is it working? Uh, <laughs> no. Never, never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. Uh, oh, I don't have a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm sleepy. I'm so sleepy. I'm sleepy. I'm Evan. Evan, it's a good thing you're sleepy, because uh, if you look out your window right now, the sky is totally dark, because all the stars are in Firefly, and I'm Ronnie. If you couldn't tell by those... Pretty lackluster introductions, if I'm being honest. Whoa, whoa. From my co-host. Ending Pending is a Firefly podcast where we discuss uh, Joss Whedon's Firefly. Uh, we're here to talk about Firefly. We watched episodes confusingly numbered, I believe, five and six. They are safe and our Mrs. Reynolds by our count. But before we get into that, we have a guest. We have a guest, uh, courtesy of uh, the Satan and Rainbows podcast, formerly of Enter the Cage, uh, a, a podcasting giant. We have uh, Nate Trees. Is it okay if I use your full government? Uh, yeah. I just say no, Nate? No, that is totally fine. It is out Great. there. It is out there. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so got... much for having me, y'all. Oh, what a pleasure and a joy. What I, what I love about uh, Nate is that he's great. I miss Enter the oh. Cage. I'm just saying that I, I listened to every episode of Enter the Cage. It was really good. I miss it. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, Evan. Yeah. I, I, every, every couple of years, I hear rumblings about something coming back. But the minute that those rumblings involve me having to do any of the sort of behind-the-scenes production work... I let those rumblings recede into the distance <laughs> once more. Extremely understandable. <laughs> yeah, that's but I, fair. I couldn't help but think as I watched um, Renfield in theaters a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, I really, I really do want to record a full podcast. Talking about this <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good concept. It's a good podcast. And it, y'all, y'all did, you dog. Y'all did great. S- some pretenders have sprouted up, and every so yeah. often I see them and I shake my head and go, fuck these people. The king is dead. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> no one else shall wear the crown. The, the episode about um, uh, the fucking, what was that movie called? The the I'm saying a hypothetical episode about the uh, the one with Pedro, the, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Mm. That oh, would have yeah. been an all-time great episode of podcast that has existed in this timeline and it never happened because the podcast broke up and it's it's one of the great tragedies of our time i i am a little sad it is very bittersweet to me that we sort of that the podcast kind of ran out of steam when we were kind of plowing through the like sort of direct-to-video era mm-hmm. um because i feel like we we maybe ha- at that time we're just starting to emerge from that tunnel into like the more glorious i mean pretty much every movie with nicholas cage that i've seen since you know pig uh the unbearable weight of massive talent willie's wonderland yeah absolutely um uh all of those 
have like would have been wonderful episodes had we did it. It's just that we would have had to go through so many like, you know, grab, yeah. grabbed, stolen, uh, uh, spotted, um, unseen, all those I various. Will, I will say that aspect of the show is what made it work, though. The fact that you knew like they're going bit by bit, every single one, like it, not that not that I enjoyed your suffering, but it was part <laughs> of it. It was certainly part of it for me. Um, that one where he's on the boat and all the animals get loose. It's a good one. Hmm. I'm blanking on the name of it, but it came out hmm. like three years ago, four years ago. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. I, I don't know. on a boat and all the animals get loose? Yeah, he's on a boat. Nicholas Cage is on a boat, and he's a big game hunter, and some pirates board the boat and all of the animals get loose because the boat is full of animals. And so Nick Cage is running around fighting pirates, and there's like a, a, a magical tiger or something, but like the tiger and Nick Cage respect each other. Never. Oh, He's I do know. I, pirates. I think yeah. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. I just. Life of Pi. I was. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was high as shit when I fucking watched that movie. I was high out of my goddamn mind. Um, what if Eddie just he, watched Leaving Las Vegas? To be fair, though, I'm pretty sure Nick Cage was while making it. So I think that's the way he would have wanted it to have been seen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe one of the I mean, I never I've learned to never say never about such things because I wasn't sure if I was ever going to be bringing um, Satan and Rainbows back from sort of the. Uh, the COVID era hiatus, but I've got a great new. I mean, I'm 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 shattering conventions and doing my plugs right now. But I no, do it. Yeah, I'm, I've I've got a great new season of Satan and Rainbows that's going to be all about um, uh, the legendary heavy metal band Black Sabbath, but only their years without their most famous lead singer Ozzy Osbourne. They have just as many albums released without him as a lead singer as with him, and. A lot of them aren't even uh, available to stream online as of uh, this recording. So there's like a mm. whole hidden world to delve into. I heard you got some pretty great guests lined up for that, too, which is pretty exciting. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, let's just say fans of Ending Pending might want to drop in uh, the latter half of our season for uh, a familiar voice. Yeah. I wonder who that could be. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's do the bit. Evan, do you have a bit? I do. I What's sure the do. bit? Okay. You're on a frontier planet. You're with a small community. Your resources are limited, but your potential is endless. You're, you're essentially forming a new society, and somehow you have found yourself the charismatic spiritual leader of this small frontier community. What are you basing your cult on? Mm. Well, if uh, it's a single piece of media, um, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think we're all gonna have to, um, we're all gonna have to be minions. Oh, no! Ooh. That's terrible, oh. Nate! It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a single piece of yeah, media. My, you can get freeform with it. You can no, add, but it also you can, does it, have to be minions. My <laughs> answer was going to be jerking off every full moon, but... Uh, uh, not mutually uh, okay. exclusive. Yeah, I guess if we're, if we're doing the single piece of media, though, if we're adding that stipulation, the 
obvious answer is the Muppets. Mm. Well, how, how do you incorporate the tenets of the Muppets as a, a framework for your society? Every every Sunday, everyone has to speak like Kermit the Frog, uh, which is great because it's also impossible to tell Kermit the Frog impressions apart from Jordan Peterson ones. Uh, <laughs> oh, the downfall of masculinity in civilizations, and it's tough being green because I'm Kermit the Frog. Walkable, oh, walkable oh, neighborhoods are fascist because everyone should be able to hop. <laughs> oh, 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 Miss Piggy has emasculated uh, my good pal Kermit, and I'm Jordan Peterson, and uh, oh, oh boy, uh, I almost died because I didn't eat any vegetables or fruit or carbs for like, <laughs> fucking 12 months, and I had to go I- to some weird... Uh, Russian hospital because I'm a fucking idiot. And, uh, and is this? And I'm sorry. Is this Jordan Peterson or Kermit the Frog now? Yeah, I know. It's tough to tell them apart. Uh, I just know that I need to take a vacation whenever uh, Sunday falls on a full moon in Andy's town because it's it's gonna be it's gonna get weird. Yeah. It's gonna get weird. All the masturbating Kermits. Yeah. yeah. Part of the tenets is uh, you have to masturbate with your off hand from whatever hand has the Muppet on it. Well, sure. Because they have to watch, but they don't want to participate. Right. You don't want to sully them. Wait, so in this universe, the Muppets are puppets. They uh, they, like we're breaking the reality of them sort of being sort of independent sentient creatures. Well, this is slightly offensive, uh, this question, Nate, uh, to my new religion. Oh, interesting. But basically, it is like uh, when your hand goes into the puppet, into the Muppet, I'm sorry, into the Muppet, um, it then becomes its own sentient creature. Uh, you're not controlling it. The, the, the Muppet is essentially controlling you. Uh, it's, a, it's like a bonding spiritual experience. It's kind of like... Uh, when you go drift compatible uh, in Pacific Rim, you know right. the two of you are now piloting your your meat suit together. So you have to get paired uh, with a Muppet that like aligns with you psychically in some way. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough for people who don't get the cool ones. You know, it, it's tough for pe- everyone is hoping that they're a Gonzo. You know, mm-hmm. but some some people are a Rizzo, and that's okay. Um, that is also God. how you find your spouse is based on God the Muppets that I could be a Rizzo. Yeah. God that I could oh, be a I Rizzo. I, I wish I could take a. I wish I could take a ladder and a bus to Rizzo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is very important on the full moon that uh, you use the appropriate hands. Um, well, I, I definitely have everything worked out for the logistics of my uh, minion cult, but there's no time to go into it. So. Are you grew? <laughs> Are you grew in this? Yeah, of course. Or are you also a minion? No, I'm. Of course, I'm Gru, and everybody else is minions. <laughs> I can't like let I can't let the minions think that there's a chance that they can be in charge because they're not a Gru. You know, no, right? they're not a Gru. By, You're the only by Gru. the virtue of you being a minion. By divine right of kings, you are the Gru. Mm. The whole point of they, the minions, if I understand their cinematic universe, having watched part of the first movie, and that's it. I I believe uh, that they like are genetically predisposed right to like hunt out like the, the the strongest or most like evil 
creature and like didn't the, he, the alpha. Didn't he make them? I thought he made. Oh, that. they they retconned the the minions lore in the minions standalone. No, they're films. like a they're like a separate species that found him as a child and started following his every need. If if again, if I'm understanding trailers correctly, so it, it it's like a Danny DeVito's penguin situation. It is. They like found this yeah, dude, trash is, baby and then made him that is the trash can. Such a perfect analogy. That is exactly right. Okay. Similar body types too. Danny DeVito's penguin and, and grew just grew stretched out a little bit more, I guess. That's that's another fun cold. If if Evan or Ronnie want to take that, oh. you could be a Danny DeVito's penguin cold. Yeah, Evan, we're not trying to push sure. you in any direction, but but yeah, please be the red triangles or just from Batman Returns, Evan. <laughs> the fact that you knew the name, well done. Mate. I watch it every Christmas. Uh, for some reason, what jumped into my head was uh, the Homestar Runner universe. <laughs> That's a good oh, one, right? I, I just do, want the. Do you guys have specific jerking off rules too? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation in the Homestar <laughs> no! Runner universe. We're bringing up yeah. some Bush era politics. Absolutely. Yeah, right. no, specifically yeah. about masturbation. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bubs always tells, but uh, but that's that's <laughs> that's his own that's his choice. Um, and Coach Z does do it right in the middle of, of town. Uh, on, on, actually, it. on the full moon, too. I feel like he could be yeah. a good uh, a student exchange program kind of thing. But, yeah, I'd love to have a little strong baddie, a little strong baddie, a community. Um, is, is Homestar Runner, like, specifically the character? Is he, like, your Christ figure or? <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, are you talking about me or are you talking about the community? The community. Okay, no, no. Yeah, who's, do, do you have a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my Christ figure, my Christ figure most certainly, yes, but no. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just picturing him up on the cross, but he doesn't have fucking arms. He doesn't have arms. <laughs> <laughs> there's still nails, there's still nails there. And he's doing that laugh they do when they oh, oh, yeah. the special laugh when something's really funny. No, Ronnie, yeah, I, I it's think that's funny. Great. I'm just picturing the kind of first gun in his head, and he's he's doing his fucking Homestar voice, and it, uh, it's very funny to me. And Marzipan is fucking Mary Magdalene. Oh, yeah, no, so yeah, good. it writes itself. It's it's very yeah, good. it's very good. Uh, yeah, the, it's the, very good. The, the, the cheat is obviously Judas. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the, the fluffy puff marshmallow is in the sky and and shining down and Homestar is like, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> um, I, I, actually, I gotta I, not to step on your cult. I feel like the cheat is John the Beloved. I, I feel like Strong Sad is Judas. But sorry. Ooh, real twist there. Real mm-hmm. twist there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Strong it's, said it's, would it's, totally. I mean, if you if you if you believe the interpretation of Judas kind of being like led down this path and manipulated by the Pharisees yeah. into, then obviously Strong said is getting like absolutely like you know jerked around by these Pharisees and mm-hmm. and they'll take they'll play on his emotions and get him to betray Homestar Runner. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, Punctious Pilot is the Poop Smith. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Yep, that's my cult. Evan, what are you working with? <laughs> uh, mine's going to sound like weak shit because I, um, you know, created for myself a universe that human beings might actually want to live in. Um, uh, my, I, I was going to say... I feel like mine is, is literally paradise, but continue. <laughs> I was going to say The Hobbit. Uh, my it's a very popular film, but... <laughs> popular franchise. 
myself and Nick Offerman are on the same page. I would like a society based specifically around the Hobbit. Oh, we got fireworks. Yeah. We eat all the time. Yeah. We live in cute little houses underground. Um, and there's not so much a government as there is uh, just like a group of old men who sit at the pub and kind of like grumpily give advice and you can you can take it or leave it, you know? I got bad news for you about our government, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> this are yeah, there... I mean critically there is the take it or leave. You don't have to listen sure, to the old that's men. Fair. Is the that's thing. Fair. You don't have, the old men at the pub do not have any authority over your health care. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah, you can just say fuck off, boomer. They do the only health care advice they do give is more potatoes. Shut up, old gaffer. <laughs> You're gonna die soon. <laughs> now the cult aspect of this, though, I'm 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 curious yeah. about how, how you keep how you're keeping people in this cult. Is it just sort of like how are you profiting? It rules. How are it's you a better profiting? society? People stay in the rules. How are you profiting? Uh, also, gardening? are there strict uh, jerking off rules? There are not jerking off rules. Okay. No, it's a I don't gay. Know if it's a cult, um. Mm, I don't know. I'm the charismatic leader, and I say we all live underground, and, um, you know, there is no government, uh, because I dictate the rules based on this book that I have. Is there a schmeagol? Does someone have to wear a loincloth, and you kind of all shun them? Um, only if somebody needs a shunning. Okay. Ooh. Oh, so, okay, so there is a dark side to it, so I yeah, knew there was okay. a I was waiting for it. Look. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is inevitable that you have some people in your society it's who inevitable are... inevitable that you have some schmeagles you gotta cast Yeah, down. you have some people in your society who are not conducive to the continuation of that society, so if those old um, if those old men at the pub get too authoritarian, they get smeagled. They get mm. <laughs> We rip your clothes off, we make you eat a bunch of raw fish, and now you have right. to wear this loincloth, and we beat and you with you have, sticks. Yeah, you have to... You have to live on the outskirts of town and look pathetic. You're not welcome in our paradise anymore. I didn't this know is... that I wanted smeagold as a verb, but it turns out yeah. that I really did. That's great. This when, is when when things get really dark, uh, you have to golem them. And that's that's oh, that's boy. you know, right. we don't talk about when that happens. Mm -hmm. Right. That strays a bit far from the restorative justice element of this entire <laughs> community. Um uh, look, it's a small community. There is one leader, it's me, uh -huh. and uh, if you are an old man who's, um, like, trying to exert his authority too hard on everybody else, I can't have that. Right. I can't if, have it. Honestly, uh, once the men get to a certain age, you just, like, send them off to the uh, other cult that is no, several miles away is... that's made from elves and be like, yeah, just go to, go to Rivendell over there. We don't, you're their problem now. Yeah, sure, fine. I, uh, it's fine by me. Everyone just colludes to not invite you. You send a very pointed invitation for like all of the family members and just leave out that particular one. And you have to adopt a whimsical last name, I'm assuming, as part of this cult, right? Like the yeah, the treacle britches or whatever. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Nate's in. Nate's on board. I mean, this is good. Look, this I this would be a <laughs> look. <clears throat> I, by the nature of a cult, uh, it has the drawbacks of a cult, which are that there is a single leader uh, who unilaterally makes all the decisions. That's, you know, inherently kind of a flaw in the system. Right. But it's my cult, and I've decided that we live 
like hobbits. And I think for, you know, compared to most other cults, that pretty much rules. Yeah. Let's talk about Firefly. Let's do it. Um, good, good, good bit, babe. That was a, that was a weird that's one. Very good. Um, I, I am going to have, I think, probably some confusing dreams tonight about Muppets, but that's okay. I, you, you brought, brought that, that completely on yourself. On yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I sure did. Yeah, yeah, nobody nobody told you you had to make jerk-off rules. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like it's not a cult if there aren't jerk-off rules. And I'm speaking from someone who was in a cult that had very serious jerk-off rules. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe a little uh, projection there, but... Uh, maybe. We watched two episodes of um, Firefly. Andy, what happened? What happened in these episodes? Okay, so safe. They go to deliver the cows. Uh, Mal gets annoyed with Simon and with River, and he's just like, "Dude, just take your fucking weird sister and like go into town." And For Simon's no like, reason, I'll say. River's just talking to a cow. In Mal's defense, they were about to be doing crime with some very jumpy people, and so yeah. like River. I understand Mal being like, hey, River does tend to cause scenes. Maybe, like, don't have her here when the crime happens. Uh, but you're right. She didn't do anything to, to spark this. But Mal's like, look, just get the fuck out. So Simon's like, I don't know. I'm worried about we're wanting criminals. And Mal's like, that's not my problem. Just get the fuck out. So Simon and River go into town. Mal does his crimes. Well, Simon and River are in town. They do get kidnapped by some weirdos because they need a doctor. And they're like, you're a doctor, so we're going to kidnap you and make you join our weird society. At the crime scene, uh, the the criminals that they're selling the, the crime cows to are jumpy, and they turn it... Oh, and, and the cops show up. The cops show up, and it turn, turns into a gunfight. And Shepard Book gets shot. And so the crew of Serenity is like, well, it's a good thing that we have a doctor on the crew. Where's Simon? And Mal is like, he's in town. Go find him. And they can't find him. So they're like, fuck it. We got to take Shepard Book to the big Scary Alliance cruiser and beg them to help because they'll have medical staff there. Meanwhile, Simon and River are like, in this cult, and it turns out that River, like, knows things about people that she shouldn't. So they think she's a witch, and they decide to burn her. Jumping back over to the Alliance Cruiser, they're like, absolutely, we are not going to help you. Fuck y'all. Like, we, like we're not your dad. We don't need to look out for you. <clears throat> and then they check, they, like, happen to check Shepard Book's ID, and without, like, explaining, they're like, never mind, we are going to give you five-star treatment, and we're going to let you leave afterwards. And everyone's like, huh, that's weird. Uh, I guess we should go rescue Simon and River now, though. So they show up in the nick of time. Uh, we get a very famous Firefly line of big damn heroes. Every what was that? That's, that was me, sorry. Uh, very, Ronnie, Ronnie, <laughs> podcast Ronnie, uh, we get famous Firefly line, we're big damn heroes, everyone in Firefly loves that line, and they rescue Simon and River, Simon is like, hey Mal, why'd you come back for me, and, uh, in a line that sparked a thousand fan fictions, Mal said, you're part of my crew, and they looked at each other longingly. Uh, next episode, our Mrs. Reynolds, uh, it opens with Mal and Drag, they stop some bandits 
uh, the weird townsfolk are like, yay, we love you guys. Thanks for saving us from the bandits. Let's all get drunk. They all get drunk. Mal is flirty flirty with someone. He wakes up. She's on the ship now. And she's like, you married me. Everyone teases Mal and thinks it's a big joke. The This like fucking trad wife girl is like, I want to submit to you. I want to be subservient to you. You're such a big, strong man. And I'm such a weak, dumb girl. And then... Uh, she's just like, fuck y'all, I'm a con artist, and I'm here to, like, steal your shit and fuck y'all up. And she, uh, she fucks everyone up, and then she gets away, and then they track her down later, and they're like, fuck you, we're taking our shuttle back. And, uh, that's the two episodes. That's, that's all two of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, we watched two of them, and you know I gotta ask you, hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. These two episodes of Firefly, did they work for you? I thought they were fine. So, yeah. All right. Uh, hey, Nate. Yes. These two episodes of uh, the Firefly show, did they work for you? Uh, kind of no, to be honest with you. Hey, Ooh. hey, Andy. Yes, Ronnie. These two episodes of Firefly, did they work for you? So, <clears throat> yes, but barely. Okay, okay. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Did these two episodes of Firefly work? Four. <laughs> <laughs> you had so many opportunities to derail with, like, Andy's. I'm sorry that you don't know how to play this game. Did they work for you, Ronnie? Uh, they did. Oh yeah, like a pretty good amount. I'm and I like as as I'm saying that because I'm not hedging, but I'm doing the classic Andy thing where I'm like, mm, maybe my opinions are wrong and bad. Can't wait to find out more in the next bit. Um, so to to give feedback to my answer because I said like they worked with barely. Uh, these are ones that like. In my previous rewatches, you know, because I used to watch Firefly, like, all the fucking time, I might have skipped one of them, you know? Like, they're they're fine. I do think they both have some, like, standout moments. But, like, you know, maybe I would skip uh, fucking Safe, you know? Like, you know, like, maybe I would skip our Mrs. Reynolds one time, you know? it's They're fine, though. They're good. I... And I know it's not just about like whether or not the twist worked is whether the whether the episode worked, but like I bought in hook, line, and sinker to our Mrs. Reynolds. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was genuinely worried that I was going to hate the episode, so I was so relieved that there was a twist. You know what I mean? Which yeah. which yes, is another yes, way of sure. saying that I bought it. You know, I yeah. bought like oh no, this this is just going to be like this annoying kind of like slapstick. 
comedy of errors thing where he accidentally married this woman and she's right. like, oh, I'm a big, strong man, you know, like, and I was getting annoyed with it and it was getting like, even like annoying in a more uncomfortable way because she was like, like trying to seduce him. And so when the twist came, I was like, oh, good. Oh, thank God. Oh, this is, this is, a, you know, an episode of television, not some kind of weird fantasy thing that right. somebody's working through, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, an argument could be made that it was also that. Sure, look, there's look, there's there's lots of things that <laughs> Joss Whedon is working through in he television. He did write that but, second like, one. And that's part of my yeah. comments about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um uh-huh. But it 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 functioned as an episode of television after the twist happened. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was pleased about the twist. I did, and like I like like I said, Ronnie, I agree with you. I I, I also bought it because I was in a totally different headspace before the twist. Also, love Christina Hendricks. Good in anything. She's uh, very good. Very good. Very good here. Very good in everything that she's she's in. What episode um, is she in? That's that's uh, Saffron. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's what I said. And in the first episode, we've talked about this on, on uh, over chat, we had a baby Zach Efron. Zac Efron. Efron. We did spot Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. That's we what did. I was saying. All the stars are in Firefly. They're not in the night sky. <laughs> they really rolled out the red carpet for Zac Efron before he literally did anything ever. This is his first ever role. Uh. May I may I take a moment to unveil uh, a segment of? Can I hijack this and introduce a segment to this uh, this podcast? Nate, I wish you would. Yeah. Oh, great. We're going to move into a segment here uh, that I like to call the MSWOR, and that is, of course, is the Murder She Wrote Overlap Report. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm happy to report that the uh, uh, we we uh, have two um, blips on the radar here. Of course, because this is the inaugural MSWOR, um, I'm I'm intru- I, I have to bring up Ron Glass first, of course, who plays Shepard sure. uh, Derisle Book. Uh, he uh, appeared in uh, the uh, Murder Share episode uh, incident in lot number seven, which is uh, season eight. I want to say episode thirteen, which is where. Um, uh, Jessica Fletcher is um, speaking with a uh, meeting with a producer about an adaptation of one of her uh, books, and um, she's touring the Universal uh, backlot and discovers a dead body in the uh, set for the Psycho House. And um, Ron Glass plays Lieutenant Hanrahan, the uh, homicide uh, investigator, uh, checking uh, the scene of the crime. Uh, who collaborates with her, albeit a little reluctantly at first, as uh, the police often are when Jessica Fletcher kind of sticks her nose in uh, in a crime and tries to solve it. Uh, but he comes around in the end. You'll be happy to know. Um, we had it. We ha- we also have uh, William Converse Roberts, who plays uh, uh, Mister Tam. I don't I don't know the name of uh, the first name of uh, Simon and River's father, but in the flashback uh, sure. scenes in Safe. Uh, he appears as sort of the social climbing uh, a parent of the Tams. Uh, he appeared in uh, season 12, the final season of Murder, She Wrote, uh, episode number five, in home care as Justin Haynes, the murderer in the episode, who um, 
killed uh, a uh, woman that he had been stealing. Uh, I think he was her lawyer and he'd been stealing um, money from her trust. And he killed her to cover it up and tried to pin the murder on a home care nurse who was a friend of Jessica's. So she's not going to stand for that. Uh, and that will wrap up the MSWOR for this week. Thank you very much for bringing Thanks, that to Nate. our table, Nate. That is most certainly the last time that will happen because I don't think there's anyone with that kind of knowledge. Uh, unless we just bring Nate on. Can we Can we, Can we? we have a, a uh, pre-recorded segment from Nate every week just about the episodes that we watched? Uh, the Miss, Miss, Miss War Corner with Nate. The Miss War? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Maybe not every week, but like I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just drop a few uh, every sure. once in a while. Sure. Yeah, we will definitely, we will definitely include that. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a, which I think speaks to you know. Sometimes this show is very, uh, we're gonna sit in the boat and play house kind of thing, which I think this show makes this show succeed uh, when you really just explore the the. I think we've talked about that several times um with with other shows that have like this kind of a cast that is just like very charismatic and very fun um but there has there was a lot more opportunity for other people to uh shine and for you know that is a statement whether or not that worked or not for you is is up to you but yeah there was there was more more happening more more folks a whole a whole village worth two village worth was that village in at the beginning of our Mrs. Reynolds um, like a, a Mormon colony? Because they call the leader Elder Gammon, and he's got like a big Brigham Young beard. Oh. Yeah, they were drinking alcohol. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think and they have weird. They marriage thought that rules. hard about it. I think I think Elder just sounded like a vaguely religious uh, title to tell to to call someone. This, uh, I don't know what this show is trying to say about religion. It clearly wants to say something about Christian religions, but I don't know what it's trying to say. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's, well, it's that interesting was... that the, that, like, part of the main cast is a man of God, but the show's constantly reminding you, like, oh no, he's, like, He's not like like a, a fucking milk toast pastor. He's yeah. also like a secret yeah. badass and has been like a criminal and like knows all this shit that like a normal priest wouldn't. So he's not like a fucking dweeb like some priests are. So it's kind of like it's kind of weird that like a main member of their cast is like, yeah, religion is religion is cool when you sort of don't do any of the things that you're supposed to do in a religion, I guess. Yeah, it also seems that like sort of every uh, like frontier colony has like their own different cult going on right. honestly like they they call their leaders different things they have a different uh like social structure from from whence they have uh uh you know fr- like that that came out of the the religious framework that they have like the the thing with the if you if you do a shot with somebody, you're married. <laughs> and that's documented is, in an encyclopedia that you can like, yeah, yeah, pull off your that, shelf. 
I don't remember that being in any Bible, but like the Christian Bible is definitely referenced many times. Right. Like the, there's this is a variation on Christianity that we're experiencing. Uh, look, I know that there are many, many different like Protestant denominations, but they are not nearly as different as every single planet's um, like frontier town. Oh yeah, seems to be in this, and I don't, I don't. I don't quite understand what I'm meant to be, like, taking out of that. Like, what, is this just, is just, this just, like, a fun world-building exercise that you're doing, Joss Whedon? Is there a reason that it's all based on Christianity? Well, like, where are, like, where are the Asian people? Where are the Asian religions? <laughs> I, I was like, gonna say, I assume where? y'all had already talked about that in the earlier episodes, but I was gonna bring that up if that hadn't been discussed yeah, already. No. Yeah, yeah, because, like, again, like, as as window dressing, you have the idea that like Chinese is widely spoken, and like chi- like Chinese uh, like material culture is very pervasive throughout uh, like these uh, frontier towns. We have a lot of you know imagery that is at least sort of based on like Chinese art, and we have clothing based on Chinese clothing, but. Like, yeah, we did point out that there's, like, no Asian extras. You might get one Asian extra in the background yeah. per episode. And also, like, where are the other cultural influences from China? Like, where is Confucianism? Like, where right. is Shinto, for example? You know, uh, I don't know. I I will say, uh, well, I'm so I, I'll, to the point of the Chinese thing, I, I will say, in I, I mean, again, I'm watching this having not watched the other earlier episodes in the season, but it really like stuck out to me like a sore thumb in a way that on previous rewatches of Firefly, I hadn't noticed, but nobody does a good job. None of the cast, none of the guest stars do a good job with just casually sprinkling in Chinese like dialogue. It just sounds awkward and weird. Mm -hmm. Like no matter who does it, whether it's Zac Efron, I was like, wow, he's kind of struggling with this, but he's like a child. So whatever. But then I was like, oh no, the main cast is all terrible at this too. It just sounds really stilted and weird. Um, I agree. And I thought it was to your point, Evan, about the, the like the weird like like kind of strange like monoculture. But it's like the religions are different, and the religious beliefs and like that level of tolerance is different, seemingly from planet to planet. And yet, like architecturally and like clothing wise, everyone's yeah. just like yeah, like late nineteenth century like frontier like clothing and architecture across the board. Uh, with maybe a few like vases that look like they like came from East Asia, like you know, inside. But otherwise, everyone mm-hmm. everyone's in like old timey barns and has got like cowboy boots and dusters and broad brimmed hats. It's like you went like you went backwards. Like that's not just like oh yeah, in the future we'll all like just like fully be like yeah, calico dresses are back in a big way and mm-hmm. bonnets. Very strange. Anyway, this has been Evan's uh, uh, bitching corner, per usual. I, we, I get to bitch a little more than usual. Should we talk about positive stuff? Yeah, let's yeah. talk about positive. Oh, stuff. yeah, Mr. you guys have Mr. structure, Negative. Right? <laughs> Yeah, we try. <laughs> we try. Evan sometimes needs to get the complaint juices out early. Yeah, I was chomping at the bit. To, okay, well, to, you can lump my complaints, complaints in with Evan's corner, then. I'll join you in bitch corner, Evan. It seems like fun over there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, positives. Boy, howdy. Uh, 
I only kiss him on the... I never kiss him on the mouth is the fucking funniest is, line. I genuinely laughed out loud. That's why I never kiss him on the mouth. And then there's a long silence. A long silence. And then they just carry on with the scene. Very good. Fucking hilarious. The best comedic delivery yet. I have uh, not I don't been know why... a fan of Adam Baldwin this whole series, but this episode, he really he really got me. That and the whole monologue about the gun and trading the Vera. gun for Saffron. Yeah. It's just like... His delivery on that was can I, very well Can done. I say one that I liked that he yeah. said? I, I like the part where he's going through when they've abandoned, when they've seemingly abandoned Simon and River for good and Jane is rifling through his personal effects and he finds like a journal and he just reads it says, Dear Diary, today I was pompous and my sister was crazy. <laughs> that, was that was very good. good. That was good. And, and him, him rushing back to Simon's room to dump everything out that he stole yes. when they rescue Simon, very funny. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, Jane. Jane really shines in uh, in in these two episodes, mm-hmm. which is which is fun because I agree with you, Ronnie. Jane, uh, a bit of a stinker up till now. Yeah, yeah, a bit of just like it seemed like this was the role that was meant for Jane the whole time, but mm-hmm. the actor just really leaned into like the hard ass tough guy very hard, and none of the like jokes came across as funny because he didn't think that he was supposed to be funny and now it feels like whether because the writing is a bit more over or because he's more comfortable with the role he's really like rolling a little bit better now yeah i feel like these sort of flavor of lines and interactions are why people liked the hat thing so much because the hat the hat thing is not a hard-ass moment it's it's silly like he's he's a he's a big tough guy with guns Mm -hmm. But he's also like delighted about this hand knitted hat, and that's the sort of that's the sort of characterization that people really liked about the character. The, the not, hat is coming next week. Sure, I, I I'm not so like uh, <coughs> everybody knows about the hat. I, I never actually saw the episode with the hat. But what I'm saying is like these things where he's like talking lovingly about his gun and like saying weird saying weird shit like this is like. That that is um, like same category of line as like the hat, where he's like, look, he calls the hat cunning or whatever, you know. I I I feel like the comedy of these two episodes really save it in a lot of ways, both because like the first episode gets a little dark uh, pretty quick, but in the second episode, like we talked about, like we are prepared to like not like it and like you're not able to laugh for a long time because it's very uncomfortable and then it becomes abundantly clear that like nope nope this isn't what that is and so like almost out of relief you're like oh okay oh thank goodness now I'm kind of feeling jovial um the special hell running bit with Shepard Book was very good I enjoyed Mm -hmm. those little uh lines back and forth um, Some people feel differently about juggling geese. I think it's hilarious. I think that's a funny yeah. bit. I, mm-hmm. I like the the geese juggling joke. I think yeah. uh, I think Wash is my favorite character. I, yeah. Alan Tudyk is yeah. Alan Tudyk is selling. Uh, this is a point I made earlier. Also, Nate Alan Tudyk is selling the lines a lot better than some of the other characters. Like he's such a human muppet that like it works when he says. Y'all ain't and the ain't got got nothing. You know he when he's doing this like um, uh, sort of exaggerated cartoony frontier speak 
uh, it it almost works when he does it. I think it's funny and it's. Uh, I, he's, he's, I agree with he's you. He's rolling with it. I have yeah. that. I have that in my notes that I think Alan Tudyk kind of runs away with every scene that he's in. Mm-hmm. I think his delivery is is always really funny. Even his like his reactions and stuff. And I believe he's probably the only one who like was kind of well known for being in a bunch of like having like a bunch of comedic like film roles prior to this as yeah. well. He almost didn't take this because he was a legit movie star mm-hmm. before Firefly and he was worried it would hurt his career to do a TV show. And, um, and, and but it does. Oh, go ahead. It does show like he, he is the standout amongst this cast of TV actors. And, um, sorry uh, for interrupting. Gina, you Gina Torres. Oh. <laughs> Gina Torres, oh. also an outstanding actor. Yes. Uh, I don't think she sells the the uh, cartoony frontier speak quite as well as Alan Tudyk does, but uh, those, I think those two, from a, a acting performance standpoint, are uh, far and away leading the pack. Just just to make sure I don't get hate mail, I wasn't dissing the rest of the cast. I think. Oh no, great. no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't insinuating yeah. that you were. I was just. Uh, uh, as as a spinoff of Alan Tudyk, great. Also, uh, Gina Gina Torres, great. Yeah, I I do. I mean, I I'll 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 say it. I I actually do agree with you, Evan. That I think that some of the not to say that they're bad actors because I think all the cast has the main cast has uh, charisma, but I do think that it is a problem. And maybe it gets better throughout the the show. I haven't you know, like I said, I haven't rewatched in a while. But in those two episodes. I thought everybody except maybe for Alan Tudyk and in some places um, Fillion, but I think everyone who has to kind of talk in like the folksy, like homespun, like frontier sort of like accent, it doesn't really work for me throughout most of it. It just feels Mm -hmm. like they're doing, they're doing like a bumpkin voice. Like I was, I was really hoping that they'd settle into it more as the episodes went on. I like pointed out that I wasn't crazy about it in the first couple of episodes, and I was trying not to like be too hard on it. But it, it is noticeable to me. You're, you're getting into sorry. Uh, into negatives. I'm sorry, you're getting into negatives. Uh, Nate is indulging me yeah, in a way that you very, guys don't. Very naughty. It's not time down. for that yet. I'm gonna lie down. No, no, no. We're <laughs> only mentioning that in the context of how great Alan Tudyk is. So Alan we're up. Tudyk. We're back on yeah. track. His his whole scene with Saffron in the cockpit is fantastic. Yeah, agree. Yeah, very funny, very good. Mm-hmm. They both sell it really well. You can tell that she is just like trying to get this over with so that she can like enact her evil plan, and she's very frustrated. And he is not picking up on that energy at all. <laughs> He's just incredibly uncomfortable that like my friends slash captain's like wife is coming on to me and I'm married and I'm a wife guy and I love my wife. Uh, uh, yeah. it's good stuff. Very good scene. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, right after all of that, uh, the, the fight between Inara and, and Saffron is, is, is good. If not a little like, Oh yeah, they're fighting. The girls are fighting girl fight. Um, but then they get some seduction, like yeah. dueling also, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. which is fun. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she kisses Mal and picks up some of the, the poison on his lips or the, the, the trank on his lips. And then it, Inara, who does not get to have any fun on this show, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
uh, gets to kind of like, oh, no, nope, I don't need to be examined. I, nope, I hit my she, head. She keeps unprompted bringing up the fact that she fell and hit her head when, like, yep. clearly everyone can tell that's not what what happened. I did think that was very funny. That was very good. Um, And, like, the, the takeaway being, like, oh, you made out with the deadly bisexual assassin was, yeah. was kind yes. of fun. Yes, Yeah. That yeah. is... And Nora would never kiss Mal, so like right. she must have made out with the 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 evil bisexual is is fun. I also will acknowledge that that was probably uh, very subversive for the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, this was two thousand two. So while it's uh, you know it's not like great by now standards, it's not like you know LGBT representation of any kind. Right. I'm sure that that was. Uh, scandalous to put in at the time that the well, she she has mentioned that she takes female clients. Sure, so but like, like mentioning that in dialogue sh- is sure. different than like. Uh, yeah. And um, this is now just another like notch in that bed po- bad analogy. Uh, <laughs> it's just another another pebble on that scale of like oh like the crew doesn't find that weird and it it seems perfectly natural that they would assume that about Anara is is kind of. Neat. Yeah, they're like teasing her for getting like seduced, but not being like, "What a like, I can't believe you would do something that that crazy and un, and like unnatural." You know, mm-hmm. that's where like the the shock was coming from. Uh, can I say a positive that's more to the show overall? Since I wasn't uh, here for earlier episodes where you might have talked about this, yeah, sure yeah. can. Well, this is almost, I'm going to sort of like Q&A line at a con. Uh, this is more of a comment than a question, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been there. I, uh, I I feel like the Serenity, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be missing something, but it feels to me like the Serenity is kind of like the last iconic spaceship design in pop culture. And I had forgotten mm. how well the show does at like really like making the geography of the ship like kind of all make sense and how it definitely feels like a very lived in space with dimensions that are like that seem to stay pretty consistent from episode to episode. The only other hero ship, you know, as sci-fi nerds, we, we refer to the main ship in TV shows as like the hero ship. The only one that I think really comes close is the ghost from Star Wars Rebels, which is an animated show, uh, but like phenomenal ship design, very similar to what you're talking about with Serenity. Like you, you feel like, you know, the geography, it feels like home for the characters. I think the Mandalorian could have done it with the razor crest, but they blew it up two seasons in. Oh, right. And he, he doesn't get it replaced and like two seasons really isn't enough time. Like the ship doesn't get enough screen time in those two seasons to really, drive it home in and the, the way uh, that Serenity does with one season of a TV show and a movie. Yeah. And even the Razor Crest feels like, doesn't feel like home as much as it feels like his workplace, like his cubicle yeah. more than It more was than getting that. there. It was yeah. getting, you know, Grogu yeah. was playing with the little, the sure. little knob, sure. you know, it was getting there. But... I love the ghost, but I think I agree with you, Nate. Like this is, this is like the last, you know, one that is like so culturally significant i i had not watched any of this and i uh like i knew what a firefly class ship looked like like it 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 is it is um 
they don't have the rules that like Star Wars and Star Trek has as to like what is the propulsion, what does this, what makes this happen. That like the Dave Filoni of it all, I feel like, has to adhere to to some degree. But this is just like it's got a, it's got a spinny butt and it glows and it looks real pretty when yeah. it like does that and it's and it's it's great. It's it's very fun um, and the, also the, it's like very very homey too. The 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 idea of the layout that you can really track where characters are, where they're moving, uh, is going to be used to like great effect in later episodes. Uh, so I'll just kind of tease that out now. But it's really important that they kind of establish it early on mm-hmm. in the show that like you know where everything is, you know where people's rooms are, you can tell everyone's room apart because of the stuff in it. Like it's it is a really really iconic ship mm-hmm. that feels like home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just something that I that I noticed, and I, uh, I I know that applies more to the show overall. But I was just like, man, it it really is kind of something I had forgotten about, like something I had sort of taken for granted. Yeah, we did uh, we did remark on the interior of the ship, uh, but we didn't uh, talk much about the exterior design, actually. So, mm-hmm. good good thing to point out, Nate. Oh. All right. Well, um, that's my contribution for the uh, rest of the recording <laughs> on this specific uh, the, the scene at the end of Safe is really great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's an iconic scene for a reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think seeing Simon's, you know, like break up with his family is interesting. Um, I don't know uh, the actor's whole, you know, fucking backstory. I do know that he is uh, an out gay man. I don't know how much of that he was channeling into the uh, breakup with his father on the show. But uh, you really did feel for him, you know, the like, don't come home shit is, is rough. Yeah. yeah, I think the flashbacks for me were the best part of that episode. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, he, he he really puts his whole pussy into into that breakup <laughs> scene with his dad. Mm-hmm. Can I give a shout out to Isabella Hoffman, the actor who played um, uh, Reagan Tam, the uh, the the mother? Um <laughs> She, I'm going to quote this because I have this written out. The fact that she has to deliver one of the clunkiest lines of exposition I've ever heard and actually makes it like pretty natural is is so impressive to me that I just want to give a shout out because the the line is he's like you know kind of got his tinfoil head on being like these letters these letters are not like the, the things are misspelled she's making mistakes that she wouldn't she's trying to tell us something. And then, like, the parents, like, pivot to being like, this is just stress. You're going to make us look bad. And his mom says, <clears throat> you're a surgeon in one of the best hospitals in Capital City, on your way to a major position, possibly even the medical elect. And it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's just like, clearly it's like. As you know, Bob. We, we have, yeah. It's like, we have to establish what the stakes are. and We have to do it in like this very obvious way. And the fact that she's able to just sort of like as an actor make this sound kind of like something a real person would say to another real person is just very praiseworthy in my view. Yeah, yeah that's a good call because that line did not stick out to me. But re- you reading it uh, <laughs> out of context, it certainly sounded uh, uh, very bad. It sounded very bad. I so, did notice um, the line because I felt like, oh, of course, every post-apocalyptic society has to have a city named Capital. Um, 
because we've run out of names by then. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, otherwise it didn't strike me as like off-putting. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I just like shout out to Isabella Hoffman. I'll say I, I'm very mm-hmm. attuned to that kind of thing because as I uh, as I referenced in, you know, the segment that I introduced, I am a big fan, of course, of the television program Murder, She Wrote and the actors on that show who are like real pros that were usually like friends of Angela Lansbury's or just people who worked a ton would have to deliver the craziest exposition that you could ever imagine to establish because most of the show is Jessica Fletcher traveling like the world. And so they have to like establish why she's in town, what that has to do, whether it has to do with her personal life or her life, public life as an author and like what the stakes are like at the start of the episode. And so there will be stuff like, well, you might be here as an, as a cultural attache uh, on loan to us temporarily for this U- USSR, uh, Great Britain, uh, French American joint authors conference here in Leningrad. But, <laughs> and, and, it, and it works. These old character actors knew how to do it, man. I, Is it time for negative? Oh, sorry, Ronnie. No, I was just going to say, I, I changed, I, I changed my mind about hedging my bets. I love these two episodes. I think these two episodes are great. I'm very, I, I, I do not uh, have any misgivings. The, I'm thinking now about the juxtaposition about like Simon, like maybe finding a place like, he, like in this uh, hill country village on this planet. And like, they want him to be a doctor and he's excited to be a doctor for people to actually help people, which he hasn't been able to do because of like giving everything to take care of river and like, and all of that comes crashing down because of river again, but it's because river is right. Like, like not even like, right. Like following river is going to like give him the best case scenario. He did not want to be among these people. These people are not like right in the head. They are not, there's a lot of toxicity here. And like River didn't know that River didn't do anything to like, uh, like indicate that it's just that like letting River do her thing and following along with her is always going to give Simon like the best path forward. And that is tough for him to see at any point, but it's never like a question as to whether or not he's going to do it. And I like the way that that was like juxtaposed with the flashbacks and everything. Hell yeah, Ronnie. Uh, like, I agree. I don't think these are bad episodes. They're just not some of my favorites. We're coming up on some of my favorites soon. Uh, next week, we'll be watching Out of Gas, and that is one of my absolute favorites. And then the week after that, two bangers, just back-to-back bangers, which I'm very pumped for. So we're I'm, I'm trying to keep a, a, level, a level head as we go into... Uh, some some all time favorites of, sure, of the show. Sure, uh, Nate and Evan, can you uh, shit on these two episodes, please? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> can can I get I guess my shit out of the way? My can yeah. I can I poop first? Yeah. All right, I'll use the bathroom first, and I'll <laughs> uh, I'll use some uh, poopery so it doesn't stink too bad. Let a match. Let a match. Yep. Uh, the 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 crazy religious lady sucks. Yes. Oh God! She's she's she's. Uh, I I feel bad for taking a dump on this lady's acting. Twenty one years later, but um, 
she really isn't selling it to me yeah. and her dialogue is bad. So it's like, I'm not blaming her. I don't, you know, maybe she's a great actor, but, um, her, her dialogue is bad. The character is not strong. And, uh, I don't like the Bible verses she was using to like spout out her weird religious beliefs. Maybe they were trying to drive home that like, Oh, the Bible's different. I don't know why I went into Jordan Peterson's right there. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the Bible's different now. It's the future. They got different Bible verse. But, like, she wasn't quoting real Bible verses. And there's enough weird Bible, fucking Bible verses that, like, you could have, like, picked some weird shit to have her spout out. And maybe people wouldn't notice if they don't know the Bible. But I do know the Bible. And um, Saffron's Bible verse uh, wasn't real from the Bible either, was it? I just no. assumed it was Song of Solomon's. No, that wasn't real. Whenever I hear something real horny from the Bible, I'm just like, that's probably Song of Solomon's, and I didn't read that because I wasn't married. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, there are, you're only supposed to read that right. if you're married. No, I, there, yeah, I there, know exactly are, what you mean. there are many, many sexy passages in Song of Solomon. Uh, I've, like, through cultural osmosis, heard most of the sexiest ones. I'm like 90% sure that the stuff she was saying is not. Well, I did a little research to see. And the only like, because obviously we'll, we'll, I don't have a Bible in this household. We never would. But I, uh, I, you know, I went online to, to search for it. And, uh, and, and every search result was like this. I'm trying to find in the Bible where this line from Firefly is. I was like, okay, I guess that's not, (laughs) I guess that's not in there, but yeah, Uh, I'll, I'll say this. She, she fucking sells it in a way that that poor other lady well, yeah. could not. And it makes yeah. sense that she would be just like making up something that sounds old timey and like, you know, euphemistic yeah. and everything yeah. just, just to like get under Mal's skin a little bit. But yeah, yeah like that, I that totally agreed more. on the character of Doralee. She was, that was tough. I yep. do it, like she, I will say that character is carrying the expositional weight of that entire episode. Like for sure, for sure. Nothing like she has to convey that they are like a a religious cult convey that like they, they are a Bible quoting and like they believe in, in spiritual healing and then like on a dime turn and be like, Oh no, but we also are like real careful about demons and witches and like, it is it is whether it is her acting or whether it is just like the speed at with which things just like the bottom falls out it is uh tough to keep up with and she is not doing a great job but she's certainly given like the weight of everything that is happening in that episode and and again like poorly written right like yeah like like simon is like complaining like you fucking kidnapped us and put bags over our heads and drug us out here. And I'm not cool with that. And she's like, judge not. Excuse me, bitch. Like y'all fucking kidnapped him. He's allowed to be a little sourpuss about it. Mm-hmm. And then on a dime, she's like, y'all are witches and we need to burn you at the stake. And it's like, where, where's that judge? Not that uh, right. you had two minutes that ago kind of- when I was complaining about you kidnapping me. Yeah, I feel like I, I I feel like too much of like the turn for like considering how much screen time he gets with this character versus like how quickly things ultimately end up happening. It just seemed like a, it just seemed weirdly truncated, like the turn of her being like, you're an angel, honey, to then being like, yes, she must be cleansed with fire. Like, I yeah, yeah. that was that was tough for me. 
Yeah, there were definitely opportunities where, like, that could have been established a little bit more gradually. Like, she could have, uh, like you said, there was so much screen time with her. She could have thought River was a little weird, been a little suspicious, and then tumbled down into full-on Burn the Witch. But um, that did not happen. Not to rewrite this whole episode like I rewrote Top Gun 2, but... um... I feel like she should have been the non-believer who is manipulating people and she's trying to protect her position in the cult as the like best doctor they have. That's also and good. That's the, a good angle. The governor who was the like trying to cover up mean? his Yeah, oh sorry. The patron who's trying to like cover up his like fucking murder or whatever, he should have been like the true believer that she was manipulating. That was so like, tossed just swap off that and it's more compelling. Mm-hmm. That was so tossed off that he that like he had this whole other thing. I was like, if it's going to be that he's like a, a hypocrite and he's like keeping like his thumb on the, this like town with religious fear. I don't know. It just felt like so strange that that all this stuff about them being this like overtly religious society, because you don't really find out that they're religious freaks until like that last minute. And it's not even really right. a mm-hmm. twist necessarily. Yeah. Also, yeah, mishandled I, for sure. I, I'll just add. I don't know why the patron didn't just be like, yeah, take like when 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 the crew showed up with guns, wouldn't he just be like, oh, yeah, take the the only person who can tell that who knows that I murdered like, the previous <laughs> patron. I don't know why he mm-hmm. was like, hey, no, she has to stay and be burned. It's like, yeah, just be like, oh, the unholy brutes came and took her away. We have to be even more insular and weird and religious about stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, just like you're giving it away, man. Like, don't. You're overselling. I did love that when he, after he uh, hits her because she said that he killed the old patron, he goes, she is a witch who can read minds and speak falsehoods. (laughs) Like, which which one is it, my dude? The mind reading really was not what you wanted to say there. Which one is it? Is it the falsehoods or is it the reading of the minds? He should have said she clouds minds or something, not like she she accurately reads minds and then lies about what she reads of those minds. So remember, anything she says about what she... I just want to make sure we all understand. (laughs) Anything she says about what she read in your mind is the opposite of what's in there. (laughs) So if you hear her going around saying i have a small penis she read the opposite in my mind she can she can in fact read minds but she just uh she did it she's lying to you (laughs) okay they're a brother and sister one of them always tells the truth one of them is always (laughs) lying and we need to burn both of them or else uh god's gonna be angry at us Yeah, that the the whole thing too of like the blocking of that where he like where they cut to like her on this like this the scaffolding like about to be burned and then like Simon's in the crowd, it's like, why not just have him be there too? Like the fact that they're like, That's not gonna stop hey, that won't stop us, doctor. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's he, he you're gonna burn his sister. Like, what do you expect? Just have him are al- already be on the pyre with her. And have and that, and that way you could have them have like a longer moment together. He, he had to do some fisticuffs. Also, like the speech, like I was kind of surprised because I guess I had misremembered, but I thought you at least got some kind of reaction because Dora Lee is completely gone from like the episode after she like rings the bell and snitches. Um, 
So I really thought I had I, I completely misremembered, I guess I, I, I like accidentally made the episode better, I guess. But I thought I really <laughs> thought that when he gave his speech about which like kind of fell apart, I thought it was going to be a little bit more like articulate. But he's like, you're all crazy and you're all stupid. Like, I really thought it was going to cut to Dorley being like, maybe we are a little crazy and stupid. Like, I really thought I had remembered like a reaction shot from her. Are we the baddies? But it, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's just them kind of being like, well okay, we're going to keep burning. Like, they're all, like, it, it, yeah. it's almost, like, shot like they're having, like, this awkward, like, sh- sort of shamed silence. But it's not, because they're like, okay, and he's had his chance to speak and proceed with the fire. I will say, you know, to dip a positive in with your negatives, mm. I do think that River's transition here, we're, like, getting her as, like, a full-fledged character now. Right. Like, the 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 first two episodes we watched, she's like fully incoherent. She's you know in a ice coffin for a chunk of them. Then the next two we watched, she like has a flash of ability with the whole badger thing. Now we see her like using powers, right? Like fully now. So she is slowly being built towards uh, a more capable character with agency whereas previously i would say she didn't have any agency i'm still not sold on uh you might just never get on board with her and that's okay i don't i do not like this sort of i don't even know if it's a trope maybe joss whedon created the trope but this like uh like child mind idiot savant girl thing that he's doing there's there is a there's a cinema trope thing called waif foo that is popularized that was popularized by whedon yeah where it's like a very small dainty woman i don't think just like kicking it's not that ass with superpowers which was like river is going to end up doing that she's going to be like fighting off horror and isn't that basically all of what like buffy That's, Buffy dollhouse. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, that doesn't bother me. It's the actually this is well. Is it born sexy yesterday? Is it a is it a yeah. Lulu Dallas thing? It's it's close to that. It's yeah. related yeah. to it where she's like, I don't know. There's something like weird. Like she's a grown woman who's acting like a weird child, and I, I, yes. it feels yucky to me. I can't quite exactly articulate like. Uh, all the moving parts there that make it feel yucky to me, but it doesn't. I it, it completely gives agree me the bad with you vibes. on that, Evan. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up, and I'll say, since we're in the negative section now, and I'm allowed <laughs> to say something I didn't like about this for the first time, I will say, I really thought, like, like I, I forgot that, like, in the, like, title cards, when they're introducing, like, the, the cast at the top, like, during the theme song, it is heinous that everyone gets, like, them doing, like, you know, kind of cool stuff in the, you know, like, just, like, sequences from the episode, and then Summer Glau's thing is just, like, her, like, naked in the fetal position. In the cooler, and, like, a dry yeah. ice cool. I was like, that is so fucked up. Just Whedon. Uh, ah, yeah, this is definitely a weird fetish of his. It's something I know that we've mentioned this before, but I uh, hate everything about it. Just don't like, and it's not Summer Glau's fault. No, like she's 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 working with what she's got. But uh, yeah, no bad bad writing. Don't like it.
Another bad thing. I think thing. that's all the. Uh, oh, go ahead, Nate. Please. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm, I'm going to stay stand firm here. I did not like. I did not like these episodes. Um, so I'll just reiterate the 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 Chinese the sprinkling of like casual Chinese is is off. It's like it's grating for me every time I hear it. The made up slang is I as I don't I don't think is great. Yeah. Um, this is more like a negative to me feeling old. But you don't like I really didn't realize how old a show that was twenty years old looked until I watched it. It made me want to crumble into dust a little bit. But that's more for me than for the show. <laughs> um, the 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 sound effects like the sound editing for the guns is all over the place. We got to get that shit figured out. Either they are laser guns or they aren't. Get your shit figured out, sound guys. Um, they are officially not laser guns. Well, the, you could have fooled the, the sound are a little rough. Yeah, <laughs> because it is going to, it is going to be a major plot point later that they are not <laughs> laser guns. I think there's like some also like some inconsistency in like the prop work for the guns. Like I think it's just like I think it's very cool to just either have clearly like guns that are like by the point that the show comes out a couple hundred years old uh, and just have them just be regular handguns or mm. be like very, kind of futuristic slick looking guns. But some of the stuff where they've clearly just like super glued like a computer mouse on top of like a 357 is like a little rough for me. Um, uh-huh. There is that moment where he, uh, and I hope I'm not stepping on what you're going to say, but where they like the whole plot point of being able to shoot the gun outside of the ship um yeah. is that it needs oxygen in yep. order to sh- to fire mm-hmm. which like i guess if you're in, once you're in space you would learn that kind of thing about guns but whatever it's like a, a strange fact that like he knows off the bat but like then he's like oh we'll put it in this uh like spacesuit so it'll have oxygen and then he shoots through the face mask of the space suit which then would vacuum all of yes. the oxygen out of it and he continues to fire six or seven more shots <laughs> right well the truth when did that happen when that's, the he, he, that's shot when he, up the, he uh, shoots the armature uh, of the net when they're about to pass into it oh yeah yeah, and, yeah which yeah. by the way like it's not true you can shoot guns in in, in space like now they sure. don't uh they they have their own like like oxidizing agents like bullets now for modern weapons so he would have been able to shoot those those guns in the vacuum i'll just say so that. Uh, according to the rpg source book oh okay <laughs> they did develop laser technology and like we're going to see that in later episodes where there's going to be uh like some laser guns however it was so fucking deadly that everyone agreed like this is now outlawed and you can't have laser guns anymore so there was then this huge, like, boom of people trying to get their hands on, like, projectile firearms again. And so, like, they were, like, breaking open museums mm. and shit. And then, like, adding current technology to, like, old guns. Which is why some of them are just, like, guns that were around in the year of our Lord 2002. With and, a computer mouse glued to that. Yeah, and some of them are, like, <laughs> cowboy guns. And then some of them are like, like Vera is very futuristic looking. Right. But like the, the, you know, a lot, you'll, you'll see people like rocking space revolvers and like Mal's, Mal's gun is very much like it is a future gun. It's not a real gun that exists today, but it it is made to feel old. 
which is I I, I think Mal's gun is, is like the best. Yeah, oh, I, objectively the, the best gun in the on the show. Yeah, for sure. I good, I love that Nate is, is airing this very like reasonable grievance, and Andy's like, well, according to the according source to the book, RPG source book, there's look, a reason why that's actually bad. Hey, in that's, fact, that's, RPG source book. Looking at it, it says Nate's a dumbass. Wow, <laughs> RPG source book just real well, harsh. Well, that is true. That is true. That is that no. Is you're you're, you're great, Nate, and uh, your your complaint is valid. Uh, I just well, uh, I think it's funny that they had to then like work a a, a build around. Well, for... well, that's that's what that's a very like it's a very Star Trekian in that there are just like if it's got it's got dedicated enough fans who are like, but isn't it actually sort of part of the rich tapestry of the world we've created <laughs> that everything looks terrible uh, visually? Actually, it, yeah, no, it, nothing can be explained by a low budget and yeah. Joss Whedon being kind of lazy. Yeah. I, I hate that I'll like like I, I'm on Twitter and I'll like point out like I don't know something I fucking hate about the MCU like I hate that they they don't wear masks or helmets that like yeah. the CG on it ah, comes on and off oh and, that makes me so angry by the like, way like I I, I yep. made a post complaining about that and then like a bunch of MCU stands oh. came into my menchies and were like. Well, excuse you, you fucking idiot. If you watched the movie, they would tell you that those are Stark Tech nanobots that Peter Parker has and that Iron Man has, and Thor is using Asgard Heimdall <sighs> magic to remove his... Ma- and I'm just, just like, shut the fuck up. I know that they explain it in the movie. I'm saying, one, the explanation is bad, and two, it looks terrible. Yeah. And if they were going to do it, they could annoying. make it look good. But either way, it's still bad. Also, Peter Parker's fucking Spider-Man. He shouldn't be having Stark technology. That's fucking stupid. He should be poor as shit <laughs> scraping by. So how about you get the fuck out of my mentions and let me be right about this because you're wrong. <laughs> and so I had to do that to you, Nate, about the RPG source book <laughs> because people have done it to me. And now if you don't do it to someone in six months, you're cursed. Yeah. Can I say I, like the ring. something exactly like this happened with with me earlier where someone made a very objectively, like if you're just looking at it from the outside, a very funny joke about the Finn Lizzy song jailbreak. And, Great song. And they said, and, and cause the opening lines are, they said the, the dumbest opening line ever tonight, there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in this town. You know where it's going to be. The jailbreak's going to be at the jail in town. And it was just a funny joke. And I could have let it pass. It's like, Oh, they're probably just making a joke. But then I was like, well, actually, the song's more about the jailbreak of, like, you know, adolescents feeling like they need to get out of the yeah, small town that they're in, jailbreak. and it's a metaphorical jailbreak. The jailbreak could happen at any moment, anywhere in the town, because anywhere there's, um, like, young people who are yearning to sort of break free of the, you know, repressive norms of, you know, Dublin or Belfast, where the members of Thin Lizzy at the time would have been from. That's what, and, 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 and I, like, I, I, tweeted out the whole thing and then i saw it it was there for a second and i was like i'm insane and i deleted it yeah <laughs> i just deleted it and was like i hope Nate, that person i followed Nate, did not i've do done that i've done that so many times i've um actually somebody and then been like wow i've i fucking suck and then <laughs> i just deleted it well it's like it's like you know what my what my nana used to say is some things need to be said, but not everything needs to be heard. So, you know, you just like clearly you needed to type all of that out and be like, OK, so I understand on some level why I wouldn't make this joke. But now that I, I understand that, let me go ahead and get rid of that. So this person that I follow and follows me doesn't think I'm a <laughs> lunatic. The two the two wolves inside me are 
that that's very funny and um actually exactly. like it's <laughs> oh okay so i'll run through a couple other problems that i have just <laughs> real quick <laughs> rapid fires rapid fire them nate hit us uh I think the flashback segments in Safe are so strong that I really wish the actual present story with Simon and River had been better because that, like, the important part was the flashback. So I wish they had had something a little bit better. My pitch would have been that they actually got, like, lost out there, like, that they ran away from the people who were trying to abduct them and trying to hide from them while also being out in the wilderness. And he would have had to spend, like, time like with river but not in some kind of like sterile medical environment um that would be my uh my pitch for like what they had to endure um i i'm gonna interrupt you right there because i think that's a great point i think what should have been happening in the present is simon should have been wondering if he found a spot to leave river not himself oh because the whole thing with the flashback is he needs to rescue river and look out for her and like I think the the question in the present should have been like agency on Simon's part of like, I found a place where River will be safe. The Alliance can't get her. Do I like leave her here and like go live my life now or not? Like everything that happens to Simon in the present, he has zero agency in. And the flashback scenes are all about his agency in rescuing River and the choice to sacrifice his, you know, the life as he knows it for her. So they could have been strongerly thematically tied together. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I'll just say for, for the R. Mrs. Reynolds episode, which I did like a little bit more, just I, I think partially just because of the fact that I, I was very keenly aware that this was written by Joss Whedon. There were just a couple of things that kind of jumped out of me because I know y'all have talked about the Joss of it all here. But um, I'll just say there's something about there's just something about it that's like a little like I I like the the level of being like oh yeah kind of these like patronizing men like even like the men who are like no I'm actually not going to take advantage of you but also I'm going to be very kind of like paternalistic and and patronizing and everything like that takes them down a peg like I do like kind of that level of it but there is just some something kind of like that just rubs me the wrong way a little bit about like the sort of like really like sexy femme fatale kind of a thing of it all. Um, I I really also get the sense that like the character of like that Joss really doesn't like the character of Inara that much. Like it's like a decent amount of thought went into the construction of like the courtesan system and everything, but he still has some kind of like disdain for her as a character Nate, like that she's some kind of snob I've, that I just can't. I've been on about this for like three episodes okay. now <laughs> like that I'm so with you thank you for validating me mm-hmm. um I I've, I I mean I didn't like say so much that he had disdain for Inara specifically but I was saying like he cannot get out of his head as far as like the way society treats women so even though he's built this uh, like this world building element where he's like, oh, wouldn't it be neat and topsy turvy if the the sex workers were the most respected job in society? He like that exists on paper in this society, but Joss Whedon cannot write in a way right. other than a uh, guy who grew up in a society that hates women. Yeah, exactly. It's just like so. It's just like so much like. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's like you had to do those. Like, no, no, you don't understand. We can actually it's OK at this society to respect sex workers because they actually are like really highly educated and like they right. really selective and all this. So so if you can even believe it, like a sex worker would be someone that you could look up to. I mean, none of the writers of the show uh, look up to this character or, mm-hmm. you know, or and, and you know. Mal certainly doesn't, but you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like I'm kind of not rooting for. Like I, I watched Serenity before I went back and watched like Firefly because I think I watched Firefly the first time when I was in college, and I was like, I kind of didn't. I was like, wow, they seemed to like they were still like the bickering, but it seemed a little bit more like kind of like I don't know, like not as like mean spirited as like Mal is like on the like in the show. Um. So I'll say that. Uh, I'll I'll also say um, the the whole thing where he, he, I just didn't like that. Like I'm not trying to be like chivalrous or anything, but it it was just a little weird to me. Like at the very end of the episode when he when he hunts down Saffron and then like kind of mid conversation just like clobbers the shit out of her with like his gun. That just felt a little loaded to me. Yeah, there wasn't really a point in him like. He like he he like admittedly was not going to kill her, which like right. that's good, maybe. But like he came to get the shuttle back, and then he like went and saw her just to like have a button at the end scene. But then he had to knock her out because I guess so that they could get away from her. But like you didn't have to like go and get her either like it was just kind of like you got everything you wanted out of the interaction like you physically bested her right and then you like pointed a gun at her and basically told her like uh actually i have friends who trust and that's why (laughs) that's why i'll always win and you won't because you don't trust people because you're a a sneaky uh person who doesn't have true relationships and all that and so it's like a woman he's like (laughs) well yes right but it's like i've got the moral high ground and then it's like oh let, one last thing. Let me ask a disarming question that will make you like remember a, a a simpler time in your life or whatever. And then she's like, I don't know. Like it's like this long thing where it's like, is she going to answer? Uh, like I kind of thought I'd forgotten. I was like, are they just going to cut away? And they're like, and because that was kind of what I thought was going to happen. And then he's just like, slam. You'll probably just lie anyway, and then just leave. And I'm like, wow, that's you know, just, that like just, a woman. <laughs> that just well, right. It just felt like there was there was a lot of that in there. And the last thing I'll say is. When this is this is this is specific to me, just because I have unfortunately been, uh, in a minor way, embroiled in some uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale discourse lately. But I did not like that <laughs> Saffron was listing like all the people that she saw her sisters in the maiden's home, which is a whole other thing about like how long she was actually there and how she kind of insinuated herself into the society and how she selects her targets for these two like randos. These two car talk yeah. guys that are in like space, <laughs> and um, she she lists all the people that her maiden's home like sisters her sistren were married off to, and she says uh, various ugly guys um, with with unnatural desires, vicious or blubberous. And I was just like, oh, really? Even in, like we've just got a list like we've just got to have yeah. this moment where she's like her impassioned plea to like, but you're not like those people. And then, like, they have the the pinpoint where he's like, "Wait, do I have blubber on me?" So I just was like, "Eh, that's that's kind of yeah. like a little much to just like sort of just include like blubberous in like the list of like 
undesirable, mm-hmm. like hideous mm-hmm. qualities. Like uh, they're like vicious and they hurt me, and also they can yeah. be fat too. The three <laughs> worst things you can be are abusive uh, and uh, like a, some kind of sex pervert and fat. Right, like, those are the three worst things. Which I mean, like that essentially is like. Like those are all the villains in in Dune, so I do. It's not like there isn't yeah. <laughs> like representation. Oh, why why can't I like oh to, to for me to be that guy that gets to float around in that anti gravity suit with that onesie to just like talk mm. about Dune like Stellan Skarsgård? That looks so fun. Why would you deprive a fat person from actually having that role? Anyway, th- that, those were those were all of my my negatives with it, and I'm sorry to be the only one that apparently didn't like these episodes. But there we go. It's fair. No. uh... I, I agree with many of your critiques, Nate. Uh, I usually don't get to go as ham about my critiques on this podcast because I try not to be the negative Nancy. That's already the reputation I have, but I think that you're right and you should say it. I was I was re-listening to... Um, a, we just released the Zero episode of this series yesterday uh, to, to really fuck up the timeline here. Um, but I was listening and like, was was uh taken aback by how much I was not looking forward to watching this show and how much I thought I was going to dislike it. And I think a lot of my like impassioned joy is just because I was so prepared to be like, this is nothing. I dislike this. I hate this. And it's like, hey, this ain't half bad. So it's the best thing I've ever watched. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, also, as you got into in that episode, like the you know, there, there's just no way of escaping, like, sort of the, the shadow of, uh, you know, the joss of it all, like, when talking yeah. about this, even though, like, you know, obviously, like, there are so many people other than him who are involved in, you know, the, the making of this show. Yeah, it's hard to separate, you know? It is, I mean, like you said, Joss wrote this, so, um, Our Mrs. Reynolds, so it's like, yeah, there's a heavy influence there, but like from the same token of like being very into the way that Kaylee is written and, and liking the way that Zoe is written, it's like it is easy to decide like, oh, well, that was like there's other people writing on this show and then like look at Inara and be like, uh, I mean, then they're also writing that too. It's it's right. I, know that, I, I know that no one is trying to say like, all, all the bad stuff was written by Joss Whedon and all the good stuff was written by other people. But like it's, it, 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 it leads to a complicated, not a complicated system as far as like viewing Joss Whedon, but a complicated viewing and analysis experience of just like, well, I, there's, there's good stuff here. This is, this is, this is uh separating the art from the artist kind of thing at this point. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's complicated. I, I- Oh, well, are we, are we so? Yeah, there we go. That's my thoughts on Firefly on these two episodes of Firefly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Thank you for being more negative than me, Nate. I feel that's like not I'm, something I'm to thank somebody neg- for. I, no, thank you. Evan said thank that to for- me because he knows that I will take it in the spirit that it is intended sure. and appreciate it. And yeah. I do, thank you. And you thank you well. for bringing us your genuine perspective, Nate, is what I will say. Even if it is negative, we still accept that here well i'll also Um, say i wonder i'll just close with this i'll also say i wonder how much more positive i might have been if i had watched like all of the episodes like from the beginning up until this point 
because you know the pilot the train job and all that like that might have softened me a little this is true yeah if 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 these next two episodes or or next couple of episodes that Andy is talking about are really the bangers that they are uh, uh, proposing then like I might I might be getting like a firefly tattoo with where I'm standing right now. It, 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 there's, there's a bad, there's a bad precedent here. Ronnie, you're being catapulted back to 2002 and you're going to speed run the entirety of nerd culture. I'm doing it. (laughs) Onward. You're going to do 20 years of geek culture all in like, you know, the, the emotional journey of 20 years of geek culture over the course of like the next two months or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, me, me and David Tennant, we're going to like really, uh, do it up uh, with our with our with our tardises. Uh, that's 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 on the way, right? That's that's probably right yeah. around this. Era. Oh yeah, right yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Um, thank you so much, Nate, for joining us. Uh, where can people find you online and in podcasting? Well, you can find me. My my handle across the board is at the Nate Zone uh, on Instagram less you know on twitter a little less these days (laughs) but i am technically still on there you can find me there i am i have i like a lot of people i have sort of spun tumblr back up so you know you can find me there too i'm there more frequently than i used to be in the last decade or so um and uh i uh maybe by the time this episode comes out i'll have the new season of my eclectic music history podcast satan and rainbows uh, out uh, with the new season that I talked about. You can also check out at satanandrainbows.com all the other seasons. Uh, we did a season on um, uh, Judas Priest, legendary heavy metal band Judas Priest. Uh, we did a season on um, Gentle Giant, legendary British uh, progressive rock group. That's truly one of the wildest listens you will ever experience listening to some of their albums. Uh, we did a season about... Um, uh, Bay Area Thrash Legends Testament. Um, and then we did a season on uh, Renaissance, uh, British uh, symphonic classical uh, uh, band, uh, Renaissance. So a lot of, lot of variety, and uh, we've got something like 80-something episodes up. So if you want to check out our backlogs, now's the time to do it. Love it. Love that. Big fan. Big fan of Satan and Rainbows. I have no touchstone for the music whatsoever. I have a little bit for Black Sabbath. My dad was a bit of a Black Sabbath head, and I it's, it was scary to me, and so there's something alluring about that. But So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I'm, uh, I, I, this, is, this is my... I, I do the same thing with our, uh, our good friends over at uh, the Chainsaw Matinee podcast talking about horror movies. Uh, I don't like horror but I, I list get that's how I get my, my touchstone through it. And Nate, you supply me with the 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 prog rock and rock and heavy metal uh, that I never got to experience. So so thank you for being that touchstone for me. It's my um, absolute pleasure. Really, the just the quintessential podcast host. Like you, yeah. you just do such a phenomenal job, Nate. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my god, Evan. Anything nice that you want to say about me right now? Or, uh... <laughs> You're so um, negative. I feel, I feel guilty for having not listened to Satan and Rainbows. I don't know anything about music, and so like I don't have any vines into this. Well, I'll tell you um, this: I, but, I the att- the attention that I need is also constantly at war with my desire to never be perceived at any time. So that is totally fine. That Nate, that's so that. relatable. <laughs> um, I 
I will say, though, every time Andy mentions you, I'm like, oh, I love Nate. Um, oh. Andy can attest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I, I have said several times, like, oh, man, I wish Nate lived closer. What's Nate doing way out in Texas? That's dumb. A question um, I ask myself from time to time as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are, truly, what is in Texas? Oh, uh, who could say? Anyway, Nate, uh, I, I think you're very witty and quick, and I admire you very much. Oh, thank you, my friend. Uh, we'll be back next time with uh, a couple more episodes. I realized that if I, IMDb, I don't know what the IMDb, IMDb order is. It's all over the place. We're going Hulu order if, uh, if you're following along uh, just to keep everything, everything on the same page. Um, we'll be back next time. And you can. It's where they may may. It's still. I. It's gotta still be where they may may. Um, what, what year? Presumably. Is it? Presumably, it is where they may may. If it's not, I've cut this out. It doesn't matter. But if if I have not cut it out, then it is May. And uh, you should check out all the cool stuff that's going on. It's it's. I it presumably is wrapping up at this point. But we've done a lot of uh stuff that is exclusive for the patreon but also a little bit of patreon stuff that may have leaked to the public feed so uh be sure to to check that out um always going to do lots of stuff for where they may may uh we love you our subscribers and we love you our future subscribers uh which is everybody uh it it, because I, i i it's the secret um and check out uh good neighbors and check out uh, Fan Fiction is Good, actually. And check out Force Friends Rewatch. Uh, great shows on the Where They May Radio Network. Um, and I guess you could follow Ending Pending on Pending Pod at Twitter. I did a little bit. But follow uh, Where They May on Instagram. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good place to do that, too. Um, anything we need to add here? Nope. Great. Um <laughs> And as we say at the end of every episode, we're never doing Firefly. Uh, do, you, do you not realize that? Never. Well, I mean, it's 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 very forward looking, you know, like once we've done it, we're never doing it again. <laughs> oh, I see. So withdrawn, <laughs> withdrawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless they do. Unless we do summon up a season two with our magical podcast abilities, Ooh. Uh, which is always possible. Um it's happened four times. Yeah. That does seem to happen with a lot of the shows y'all do. And I would say that Morbid Curiosity would compel me to watch, like, all of season two of a hypothetical Firefly return. Absolutely, it would. Oh, uh, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I it's a foregone conclusion at this point. I'm kind of just, I have to get used to the idea of it, <laughs> of, like, local podcast makes Firefly a, a thing again. But... <laughs> Until next time, folks. Until season two of Firefly comes out. (laughs) See you then. Bye. Where they may...